Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, may be difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Blackbirds. Welcome to episode 38 of Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. As soon as we record, like literally as soon as we open our mouths, our dogs start freaking out. So if you hear... If you ever hear any noises of like, you know, like squeaking or huffing or snoring, it's our dogs being absolutely insane. Yeah, we don't have a monster lab here. No. Oh, that would be cool, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a Frankenstein. You can make a monster lab. Oh, yeah. I want to make a Frankenstein's monster. That would be cool. Anyway. I am your host, Sarah. And with me is my beautiful co-host, Dan. Mm, beautiful. Yes, you're beautiful today. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Only today, though. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. true. Normally, yeah. I'm hideous. Yeah. We just gave our dogs uh, baths, and so we're a little exhausted. So yeah. Dan looks beautiful for being exhausted. Mm, yes, the bags under my eyes are just glowing. Exactly. All right. So uh, we don't really have any housekeeping announcements to make so uh we'll just we'll get into today's case so this is going to be part one of at least a two-parter um it may potentially go into three parts depending how long we get we make part two but it's definitely at least a two-parter so here we go in 2008 19 year old nicole Nikki Adamondo met 21-year-old Christopher Grover while both worked as gymnastics teachers. The pair seemed to have the beginnings of a wonderful life together. In 2012, Nikki became pregnant with their first child, and in February 2015, their second child arrived. They were living in Poughkeepsie, New York, and while they never married, they found contentment in their life as a family. And for those who don't know, Poughkeepsie is upstate. It's the Hudson Valley region. Um, how far would you say it's from the city? Like 40 minutes, maybe? Um, Half hour? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, so it's pretty close to New York City, to Manhattan. Um, it's lower upstate. So technically, I think if you go into Poughkeepsie, they don't call themselves upstate. which I always find hilarious about people who live upstate. Yeah, they they call it downstate. Yeah, exactly. So they're the downstate part of upstate. Right. (laughs) So Nikki had been working as a preschool teacher when she got pregnant with son Ben in 2012. But she and Christopher made the decision that she would leave her job to become a stay-at-home mom. That all worked out because just three years later, their daughter Faye was born and they could use all the help they could get. Though money was tight for the family, Nikki would bring the kids to activities that were free of charge in order to have fun with her children. Chris was a well-liked guy and was described as an, quote, all-around nice guy by his boss. He was a devoted father and loved video games and practicing Taekwondo. He spent a lot of time with his parents and brother, visiting them often. They lived pretty close to where he and Nikki lived, so they were able to go visit the family um, as often as they could. In the beginning, Nikki would go along for the trips to visit Chris's family, but as time went on, they saw less and less of Nikki. You see, as perfect as the couple seemed to the public, unimaginable things were happening in private. Nikki no longer wanted to see Chris's family because she could no longer come up with excuses for the injuries she had endured at the hand of Chris. She would normally use the excuses that many abused women use, She fell down the stairs or she was just prone to clumsiness, but it just became too much for her to continue to explain. 
She, in turn, remained home during his trips to see his parents. However, not everyone saw them as the perfect family. On September 21st, 2017, an anonymous caller had reported to CPS that, quote, on a weekly basis, the mother has had visible bruises to her face and chest. But when caseworkers went to the home of Nikki and Chris six days later, Nikki denied having ever been threatened. Chris told CPS that there were, quote, normal fights, and Nikki added, quote, all parents argue. The caseworker continued to probe and discreetly asked Nikki if she was safe by writing on a piece of paper. Nikki nodded. At that time, the caseworker found no cause to take immediate action. I always have such an issue with this because if there's a report that there are bruises and there's fighting and it's a constant thing, you can't just take the word of the the potential victim because most of the time in an abusive relationship, the victim is not going to speak out like that. If you ask the victim right out, are you being abused? They're, they're more times than not going to say, no, I'm fine, just as it happened in this situation. So it always bothers me that the caseworkers, and I know that this is just protocol, but like it always happens that the caseworkers just like, oh, yeah, you know, they said they're fine. So right. we're just going to leave that case. Right. Like there has to be follow up. There has to be some other thing that can be done when there is possible truth to the matter and you know obviously it's one of those things where like if they don't if 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 someone is abused and they don't want to press charges then nothing really comes of it unless the da really believes it's something that needs to have charges brought against but it's it's really the right of the victim to say whether or not they want anything further to happen but like it's so difficult for a abused partners to say especially when they're confronted in front of their abuser whether or not they're they're actually in that situation i just i feel like this happens all too often and and we see detrimental things happening as a consequence of that um you know a lot of times when when family services or whoever is called to the home after the fact, the partner, the abuser, sees that as a threat and the abuse gets worse. So it's like, how how can we actually help these people when they themselves are not willing to ask for that help? You know? Yeah. So it's it's a difficult situation for everybody involved. And I, I know that the caseworker really can't do anything you know, it's not, it's beyond their scope. Right, because to, to, their hands are tied by procedures. Exactly. The, the, the problem is, is at the top. Exactly. And, you know, we say all the time that, like, all of these programs need reform. And it, it starts with the, the, the top. Ex- exactly. It starts with the people who are in charge of all of these rules and regulations. Um, and it takes forever for rules and regulations to be overhauled. So who knows how long it could take for these you know, protocols to even be changed if if people see it's necessary to change them. It could be years and years and years and we could have more abused spouses and partners just continuing to fall victim to not only their abuser, but the system as a whole. And I think I read at one point their their son, the older child, um, had said to CPS that, yeah, like I see mommy and daddy fighting all the time. Like, I, and I think he said something about like a physical altercation, not just like that they argue. Like, <laughs> isn't that detrimental to the child as well? And and for CPS, like not, you know, not there aren't any physical bruises on the child, but like can't CPS do something for their emotional and and, you know, mental well-being? 
I just, it's unfortunate that the system can't help further. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, like we said, that's, that's a, that's a procedural thing. You know, it's, there are plenty of people in these organizations who wish they could do more, but you're just not allowed. Right. And the people who make the decisions mostly are so disconnected from what happens day to day that they just don't think that real reform needs to be made. So. Right. Exactly. That's the problem with bureaucracy. That's the problem with a large administrative structure structure is you get this significant disconnect between the people at the bottom who are just doing their jobs and the people at the top who are just trying to see that the people at the bottom do their jobs. Right. It, it makes it very difficult for change to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, just like we we talk about all the time with, with sexual assault laws and, um, and trafficking laws and, you know, all stalking laws, domestic violence laws have to be changed as well. And it's, it comes down to talking to your legislators and really lobbying for change in these laws. We really need to be speaking to our Congress members and, and, you know, anyone else who is in politics who can actually affect change and tell them we need stricter laws. There needs to be stricter protocol set in place that we can really start to do something about these things. And uh, we'll continue to say that on almost every episode of, of Blackbird that we really just, it's, it's all about voicing the need for change. So at 2 a.m. the morning after the CPS visit, police officer Richard Sicily approached a stopped vehicle at a red light. When the light turned green, the car remained still. He honked his horn at the driver in order to get their attention, and with that, Nikki got out of the car and told Officer Cecily that her boyfriend, Chris, was laying on the couch. She continued to explain that for years she had endured abuse and that she tried to leave, but Chris had a gun. She told the officer that Chris said, quote, if you leave, I'll kill you, and continued to say that she picked up the gun and shot Chris. When officers arrived at their home, they found Chris dead on the couch with a single gunshot wound to the head. For almost their entire relationship, Nikki endured sexual and physical abuse at the hand of the person who was to love her the most. In 2013, Chris began sexually abusing Nikki by forcing her to have sex with him. If Nikki were to refuse, Chris would violently attack her. The violence continued even after their second child was born. Chris began filming his sexual abuse towards Nikki and uploaded the videos to Pornhub without any consent from Nikki. She said Chris at times would tie her up for hours, leaving her until he felt it was appropriate to let her go. Nikki had reported and documented the years of abuse with many different agencies, including the police, advocacy groups, and the New York State Office of Victim Services. But help was never provided in the way she felt she needed. She endured years of victimization and felt the only way out of the situation was to end her abuser's life. I agree. Shoot that mother. <laughs> After her arrest, she said to the police that she believed it was obviously self-defense. Among the places to which Nikki reported her abuse was a midwife who performed sexual assault examinations on Nikki at three different encounters. At one point, the notes from the midwife read that there were, quote, rope-like burns, and that Nikki had stated Chris used a gun, quote, in my body. There were other notes from the midwife that Nikki's vulva appeared swollen and, quote, inside out. 
and that she was bruised and bleeding, and that Chris had raped her at gunpoint. All of these reports were made prior to the CPS call days before Nikki shot and killed Chris. The days leading up to his death were no different than other days. Nikki says Chris had left the house with a bag full of evidence of abuse the day before the CPS home visit was conducted. She assumed this was so he could get rid of any evidence of his criminal acts. He then went to work, but when he came home, he seemed to be in a gentler mood than usual. She said Chris had called her into the bedroom and witnessed him loading his gun. He then handed her a bullet for her to load the gun. She said at this point, she was shaking. She then later decided to take a shower. And Chris then threw their laptop into the shower. And Nikki says this is when he raped her again on the couch. But at this point, he was unusually gentle with her. She said after the encounter, she was laying on top of him on the couch, believing he was asleep. She attempted to get up, but Chris pulled his gun from between the couch cushions. She feared for her life. She feared for her life every single day. Nikki said she was able to get the gun away from Chris when it fell due to a struggle. He then threatened her and she felt it was either her life or his and so she shot. She was charged with second-degree murder. Which is bullshit, because <clears throat> right off the bat, it's not murder. It's at most manslaughter. Um, and second of all, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's pretty obvious that this is self-defense. It's pretty obvious what's going on here. You know, even if you, even if you completely ignore the events leading up to this particular event... Obviously, she's got bruises on her body. There was just intercourse had. Her story is, it was against my will, and so I shot him. Right off the bat, that's enough to cast significant reasonable doubt on the fact that she just murdered him. That's not how that works. Right. And in a few states, and um, we'll talk about it in the next episode, in, in part two, when we get to the trial, um, there are... There is what's called the battered woman defense. So it essentially says that it wasn't, it's not considered necessarily like imminent self-defense, but it's years of enduring this pattern of abuse where they feel like, like she did, it's either my life or his. And the only way out is to unfortunately have to kill the perpetrator. Um, Plenty of abused people feel that's the only way out of their situation. They they feel like, especially in her case, like she went and reported this to many, many facilities. I mean, including the police and nothing was done. You know, he wasn't arrested. He wasn't whatever the case is. And he would consistently not only obviously physically and sexually assault her, but he would threaten to kill her so she truly felt like her life was being threatened and quite a few advocacy groups of course have said you know this was something to be considered as self-defense she had been going through this for years and years and years and it finally came to a point where this was the only way out of the situation where she would save her own life and the fact that he was being so gentle and in a calming mood on that evening um one advocate um who even said you know it's kind of an indicator that the end is coming yeah this was clearly a murder suicide thing yeah he had her load one bullet and he himself loaded one bullet yeah exactly and he had the gun positioned with in him the couch while they were having sex right. 
clearly right. this was... He was either going to shoot her and then himself, or he was going to give her the gun and say, shoot yourself, and then I'm going to shoot myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, that's the threat of death. Exactly. Unquestionably. Uh, uh, she had every right to just pull the gun out and shoot him right in the face right there. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I think that he premeditated... Yeah, exactly. Either a murder-suicide mm-hmm. or a double-suicide. Oh, yeah. There, oh, yeah. There's no two ways about that. And and if you're thinking right now, well, that's not necessarily true, then you're an idiot. <laughs> you're an idiot, and you're just not thinking straight. Right. I agree. I'm sorry to, to those people, you know. I'm not sorry. You're an idiot. <laughs> And you're, not, and you're not just an idiot for being dumb. There are dumb people in the world who are perfectly nice people and can be valuable members of society and are probably cool and they can they can come to my birthday party. But if you're an idiot in the way that you're a jackass, then fuck off. Yeah. I don't, you're not allowed, you're not invited to my party. You may not <laughs> attend. You can't sit with us. No. Yeah, I, I just, I don't, I don't agree with the fact that she was arrested. Um, you know, she, she literally in her interrogation was telling the police about these, this year, years of abuse. And the thing is, there's, there's, there's a history on record. Co- yes. Which again, we will get into all of that when we talk about the trial, because we'll talk about all the evidence that was presented. It's there not like was this came out of the blue. So much evidence to show she was a victim of abuse. Yeah. So what, what compelled the DA to be like, especially in New York, like I'm kind of upset about that. Yeah. That this is our state and that's how they treat victims of abuse, especially considering this was only a couple of years ago and we supposedly have one of the greatest governments in all of the 50 states that takes care of victims. I I sit in meetings and webinars every week regarding our state's legislation about victims' rights. So to see that this happened really, really upsets me. Really upsets me. Because I had higher hopes for what our state was doing for victims of sexual and domestic violence. Clearly, there's still more change that needs to happen. She reported this to the police at one point. There is a police report. Why was nothing done to him? That's that's what bothers me. Like OVS and the midwife, like that kind of stuff, they, they really don't have a lot of jurisdiction to like bring forth, obviously, any sort of charges. And they can't report unless she wants them to. Um, but... The police? <laughs> yeah, like that's literally your whole job. That's literally your job. It's your whole purpose. So what what came of that? Why why am I not reading anything about him being charged, him being questioned when she reported the abuse? So I, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I didn't see anything about that during my research. It was all... She's a horrible person. She shot and killed this guy. How dare she? This is a father of her children. He was such a wonderful man. Like, again, keeping up appearances in public. Yeah, to his boss and and to the, the gymnastics students that he coached, he was a fantastic person. That's how abusers are. They're always seen as fantastic people out in public. And then in private, they are monsters. And she had the proof to show he indeed was a monster to her. Yeah. Yep. And this is the problem, like I was talking about, with with these large, rigid administrative structures where you've got people at the bottom who aren't allowed to go outside of their scope of responsibilities and people at the top who aren't willing to go outside the scope of their responsibilities because, you know, they put in their time and they just want to come in and do their job and go home and enjoy their life. Like... But there are certain jobs you cannot get into without being passionate about the job. 100%. And this is one of the most important ones to give a shit about. Yes. There are people's lives on the line. Yep. You know, it's like with, with any with any police officer. 
you know, you incentivize these people with these ridiculous salaries and unlimited overtime and infinite influence. And that's why they're doing the job Mm -hmm. in some cases, not all of them, some cases. But, you know, like, for example, back in the day in the NYPD, when they were getting paid like crap, those were people that wanted to do the job Mm. versus some other police departments that got paid a shitload of money and barely had to do anything more than give out traffic exactly. tickets. Those were people that didn't really give a crap about serving the public. Those were people that were just doing it for the paycheck and the easy job. And the power. And the power, mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, when you when you incentivize people to just have an easy life, that's all they're going to do. Right. You know, whether it's, whether it's being a police officer or it's being in some kind of protective services in the government. Yep you have to really, really want to help people. Yep. And look, if you don't really want to help people, that's fine. I'm not saying you're some kind of piece of crap. You know, I say all the time to Sarah, there are certain jobs that I wouldn't want to do because I'm just not passionate about that. Right. And that's fine. And I'm sorry. I don't consider myself a bad person for that. But no, you know, you, I wouldn't do those jobs because I know I just wouldn't be good enough at them. Right. Um, and neither should you, unless you really are passionate about helping people. Right. It takes Uh, a certain kind of person to get into these types of professions. If you are not that type of person, find another profession. And that's totally fine. There are people out there who just, who don't belong in these jobs and there are jobs out there for you. That's fine. But if you get into the profession of protecting people or being in charge, we've talked about this before, or being in charge of health or or any kind of thing that can save a person's life in some way or another, you need to be passionate about it. You really need to be in that to help that person. And whether you think you can change the system or not, most of the time, obviously, the the lower level people can't at least you're helping one person at least you're doing something good for one person and you're changing the life of that one person and, and that's enough exactly if every one person could help one other person the entirety of the human race would be helped exactly that's all it takes is, is, is helping one person changing one life yep if you can change 10 or 20 fantastic yep But if you've changed one, you've done your job. Yeah. (laughs) So this case with Nikki, it's just, it's again, it's a system failure. It's a system failure. And that's kind of the point of what we talk about almost every week on Blackbird is just talk, is, is saying these people have reached out for help. These people are trying to find ways to get out of the situation they're in and they're ending up being put in dire situations where i mean this week last uh, last episode we talked about um someone who is you know got out of a human trafficking situation because somebody was murdered another time we talked about they got out of a human trafficking situation because someone got murdered it, it should not have to come to that Especially when there are signs, especially when somebody is reporting that there is an overwhelming amount of abuse towards that person. The first time that this was reported, the first time that somebody saw a bruise on her, that should have been it. It should not have been allowed to go any further. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, I don't know what it's like in the county up there, um, but I do know at least for for Nassau County, and we we don't live in Nassau, but I do know that for Nassau County, when there is a domestic violence call that comes into the police, they automatically arrest the accused. Automatically. Automatically. Because they have to get to the bottom of the situation. And if somebody is there, if, if somebody calls and says, I was just slammed up against the wall by my husband, by my wife, or they pointed a gun at me, or they slapped me, whatever it is, it's a zero tolerance policy. Right. They arrest that person on the spot. They can't, they'll release them if they don't find that there's any evidence. Right. Or again, unfortunately, if that 
if the abused says, I don't want to press charges. Right. But even if the person says they don't want to press charges, the police, the, the DA should say, no, I'm pressing charges because this person cannot do this anymore. I think that the problem with domestic violence situations is that it's not seen as a societal issue. It's seen as a private issue. So when somebody is abusing their their significant other, it's seen by the police and by um, the DA, the prosecution, as being a private matter between those two people. It's not seen as this person can now harm others outside of this family unit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when they are supposed to arrest somebody, it's because it's a detriment to society if they are, or danger to society if this person is still out. I think that with domestic violence especially, it's it's really seen as, well, you two just need to go to counseling. This is an issue between you two. But it's not like that. Because if that person, if the abuser ends up either killing the the abused or or they leave the situation in some way, the abused maybe finally gets out of the situation, that abuser is just going to move on to another person who they're going to abuse again. That's what happens with abusers. So it's considered, in my opinion, a societal issue. That abuser is just going to keep doing this to every single person he or she gets into a relationship with. How is that not continuing through society and harming other members of the community? Does that make sense? Yeah. So domestic violence is not ever taken as seriously as it should. No. It's, it's, it's a private matter and they can take care of it themselves. Right. Which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Again, Nikki reported this multiple, multiple, multiple times and they kind of just blew it off. And that's unacceptable. Yeah, that's just unfortunately part of our our society is, oh, it's just a hysterical woman just complaining or, yep. oh, well, you know, she, she was playing along with it and now decides she's not into it. So that's on her. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that on her? Yeah. Yep. As we know, though, there are always two sides to every story. And we will hear the other side in part two of Nikki's story next week when we discuss the trial and the evidence. So we'll get into the prosecution's theory. We'll get more into her defense as well. And we'll we'll talk about the evidence to show um, that she felt it was self-defense and, and the abuse that she endured. And we'll get into the uh, quote-unquote evidence that prosecution has that she killed him in cold blood. Right. And, you know, anybody who's listened to this, our podcast, for a while will know that I I do sometimes play devil's advocate. I try to consider the other side because I know that there will be people, not necessarily people listening to this because you guys are all cool, but there are people that I can literally think of in my head that I see all the time who would be listening to this and thinking like, no, you know... Yeah, you're just you're just taking the side because you're trying to make the point because you're being biased. And it's like, well, no, there are some times when it's just obvious. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like we said, in this case, let's say that the relationship started out perfectly reasonable and they were in love and she wanted to be with him and everything was cool. And yeah, they just started to have some, let's go back to that word, quirky, uh, you know, shared activities. But like, there's a point where no one really likes that. Even people who are into, like, rough intercourse don't want to have the shit kicked out of them. Not one of them. You know, there are people who like certain little things, but, like, there's no one that wants to be, like, beaten. And I don't care how many movies you've seen where you're like, yeah, but this guy, that was fake. Grow the hell up. I don't care what you saw on Facebook. I don't care what you saw in a movie. That's not real. 
talk to people who really work in 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 these in these fields get some real information um and so yeah you know what a lot of times i will try to play devil's advocate say okay well maybe maybe we do need to hear the other side of the story because i don't want to just sound like i'm some some guy just jumping on one side of the story yeah you're right babe that's totally the world is evil and it's all men's fault and it's all the cop's fault or whatever no sometimes that does happen where you get false reports and sometimes you know the who you think are the bad guys are just doing their jobs but you have to step back from a minute you have to remove your emotions from the situation and look at the evidence and i'm not even talking about the evidence presented in court i'm just looking at the fact that here is a clearly abusive relationship it's it's the violence is extreme so how right off the bat how likely is it that this far into the relationship, she was down for whatever. Very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Like I said, maybe maybe she's into a little bit of quirky sex play, whatever. But no one wants to have the shit kicked out of them. No one wants to be violated with a gun. No one. I don't. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your douchebag friend said while you were drunk at a party last weekend. Oh, I knew this girl who... No, you didn't. You're lying. You're making that shit up. You saw it on Facebook and thought it was real. You saw it in a movie and you can't separate reality from fiction because you need to grow the hell up. No, you're wrong. Um, you got to look at the evidence. You got to chill the fuck out. You got to grow up. You got to look at the evidence and evaluate these things from a realistic standpoint. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to look at the other side. And we're going to yep. see, maybe these things are all lies. Maybe Sarah's wrong, and this entire script is BS. So that's what we'll do next week, but I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the case. There's one piece that the prosecution brought up that I ugh, I rolled my eyes so hard at. They were grasping at straws with this one particular thing. Yeah. So again, I'll bring that up next week when we discuss the evidence at, at trial. Um, But I do want to point out that not only was she physically abused by him, but she was sexually abused by him. She was constantly raped by him. But, of course, because he's her boyfriend, again, society doesn't take it as seriously because, well, she's supposed to have sex with her boyfriend, why shouldn't why would she not want to have sex with her boyfriend? Right. She's a terrible person for making him force her to have sex with him because that's her boyfriend. It can't be rape if it's between two partners. I am here to tell you that it is rape no matter who it is if the unwilling party is not consenting. Right. Period. Right. Exactly. It doesn't matter if it's a stranger, if it's an acquaintance, if it's a date, if it's your boyfriend, girlfriend, if it's your spouse. If one party is not consenting, it is called rape. Right. Even if it starts with a yes and then becomes a no, as soon as it's a no, you have to stop. That's exactly correct. And that's either way. That's, that could be a guy and a girl, and a guy decides, you know, in the middle of doing stuff, you know what, I don't think I should really be doing this. Correct. And the girl is like, well, keeps pressing. Mm-hmm. That's the same damn thing. It's the same thing. As soon as there is no consent, it is rape. And yes, you have to be careful with these things. There are times in life, like I said, where you have to grow the hell up. And you have to be careful with certain things. You know, there was there was that famous Dave Chappelle skit about the, the consent waiver or whatever it was. You remember that? Yeah. And like, yeah, it was a joke. But like, okay, maybe you do have to like pay the hell attention. Yeah. There are things in life that just have to be treated more carefully than others. Yes. You know, when you're making eggs, sure, you scramble them too much. So be it. It's not the end of the world. When you're building a suspension bridge, you got to make sure you're doing it right. Yep. There are certain things in life that you just have to pay more attention to. And when emotions are evolved, you have to be even more careful because you cannot trust yourself. Right. So, you know, let's say that you're a professional athlete and you're in a really important game and you sense, you, you notice an opportunity to cheat. 
So now in practice, you're probably going to not do it because there's not that much pressure on you, but you even still might because you're like, well, I want to, I want to impress the coaches in practice. So I'm going to do it anyways. When it's in a game, it's even more important because you can A, lose the game for your team, Mm -hmm. but also you're now really, really incentivized because it's one thing when you're in practice and you're just trying to impress people. It's another thing when there's actual like money on the line Mm -hmm. here. So you have to be even more careful with yourself because your emotions are now telling you, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. It's okay. It's going to be worth it. We got to win this game. Right. So do it. So cheat. So, you know, there are times in life when you have to be extra, extra careful because not only is it just the kind of thing you have to be careful with, but you, but you're being driven by your emotions Yeah. and sexual intercourse is the sum of both of those things. It is something that has to be treated very carefully and you are obviously at probably your most emotional. Yeah. I think that pretty much drives humans to their highest state of emotional excitement. Yep. So you have to really be careful with it. Absolutely. And I don't want to hear, well, it's supposed to be fun and relaxing. I shouldn't have to use my brain. And we're just going to have a moment of silence for a minute for the dumbest thought I've ever heard in my life. Sex is supposed to be fun when both parties are saying, yes, I want to do that. I want to have fun. How is it fun when the other party is fighting you or saying no or crying or knocked out, passed out, whatever? How is that fun? Right. I will never understand that. So right off the bat, maybe you're going to delete this. Okay. There's something fucking wrong with you. If that's if that's fun for you right off the bat. No, that's I'm not going to delete that. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> I am not editing that out. But let's say <laughs> that you are in a particular niche of humanity and you are with another perfectly consenting adult who is into that. That's fine, but then you have to approach that situation very carefully. For the average person who likes to have average intercourse, yeah. You can just, you know, your spouse can just be doing some dishes or whatever. And you can be like, hey, the kids are at Aunt Becky's house. Let's just go for it. And you can kind of just go for it. As long as it's clear and obvious that the other person is consenting to this. If you want to, hey, she's doing dishes. Let me put a gun to her head and tell her I'm going to you or you're going to die. That's not the thing you can kind of just do. That's the kind of thing that you have to really understand beforehand. That it's cool. And yeah, there are some people, very, 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 very few. So you're not going to meet some chick or some dude at the bar who's into this. Unless you're at a particular bar. Unless you're at a particular bar. (laughs) And I don't think those are things. I think they are. Bars, like actual bars with liquor licenses and business licenses. That do like swinger BDSM. No, 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 no. But I'm saying like swinger BDSM, like all of the kind of like fetishy stuff. Yes, they exist. Not in New York City. (laughs) Definitely in New York City. Not with business licenses. Definitely with business licenses. Anyways, the point is, (laughs) these are the kinds of things that you have to prearrange. And I understand that, like, sex is supposed to be a spontaneous thing. Yeah. Because that's the way it's the most fun. Too fucking bad. There are things that have to be prearranged. If I'm going to prank my friend, right, I need to make sure that my other friends who are around understand that I'm about to prank him. I can't just walk up to a group of my friends with a totally fake gun pointed at his head and be like, ha ha, it was a joke because I'm probably going to get shot in the face. Right. I have to go to my other friends and be like, hey, I'm going to prank Joe later. Yeah. I'm going to walk up to him with a fake gun. It, it <sighs> may not be um, fun, but you should have the conversation before your your first time having sex with yes. with somebody of, you know, what yes. are the what are the the yeses? What are the no's? have a safe word and i was gonna say honestly with people that with people that regularly participate in that kind of Mm -hmm. activities one of the first things that they do Uh, is establish certain ground correct these are the things i'm into these are the things i'm not and here's the safe word correct so i think the, the most compelling argument in the case that we're actually discussing is did he ever ask her for a safe word right probably not pretty sure not (laughs) probably not right then and there that basically sets the tone yeah the the fact that he used a gun on her and in her just shows what kind of person he is and there there's no i'm not saying that he should have died i'm not saying that 
but <laughs> but there he's not a good person and i don't care that i'm speaking ill of the dead because you're a garbage human chris yeah you were a garbage human you don't do those things to people you you i don't care that it's your girlfriend i don't care if you are not willing to have the conversation of hey you know i like it a little rough is that okay with you right you need to have those conversations you you need to have those conversations also gay if you don't have that conversation gauge the tone when you are engaging in sexual activity right right if you try to be a little rough like okay so some people like to be choked or they like their hair pulled or something like that you know a little a little rough if you're trying to do something like that and you see that that partner is is looking a little concerned or or squeamish you stop doing it right gauge what is happening to your partner not only is sex supposed to be fun it's supposed to be about that intimacy right. and it's supposed to be about pleasing your partner so if you are finding that this does not seem pleasing to your partner be intuitive to what your partner is wanting. And if you're noticing that it's not pleasing to your partner, you stop. Right. Right. I mean, another little analogy would be if you were playing a one-on-one -on -one sport, if you're playing tennis with someone. The idea is if you're way better than the other person, you want to tone it down so that the other person can enjoy the game and it can last longer. And maybe that person can learn from you and get a little better. But you don't just get in there with someone who's never played before and just destroy them. Right. Because that may that may be fun for you, although, like I say all the time, I've been a competitor my entire life, and I don't like just destroying people at things because it's not fun. It doesn't make me any better. It doesn't prove to me how good I am because I beat someone who's so far beneath me. Correct. That, that doesn't didn't require any skill. But even if that's fun for you, it's fun, like, what, the first time? And then that's it. Whereas if you tell this person, like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, we'll play, you know... I'll try to teach you some stuff. Now you've got a partner for life. And it's funny how easily this is making an analogy yeah. <laughs> to a romantic relationship. Yep. I didn't even intend it to be that, that accurate of an analogy. <laughs> but yeah, it's a give and take. Mm -hmm. And it's you want both people to participate equally so yep. that you can have a playing partner for a long time. Absolutely. 100%. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, it worked out really that well. That did work out very well. All right, so um, that's really it for today's episode. Again, in part two, we're going to get into the prosecution side and the evidence at trial and the um, the outcome of, of, of the trial. Um, if you or someone you know is in any sort of domestic violence situation, you can call the domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E, which is 7233. Or you can go to their website at thehotline.org and you can do a live chat there. They also have resources and all of that stuff. Of course, you can always reach out to us on Instagram at Blackbird Advocacy. And we will provide you with resources as well if you do need. If you or anyone you know would like to share your story or let us know of a case that you would like us to discuss, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy.com at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Please listen, rate, review, subscribe, share, have your friends and family listen to us, talk about these conversations with your friends and family. Let everybody know that these are conversations that must be had. You can find that all at our link tree, linktr.ee slash blackbirdadvocacy. I know you kind of did your final words already, but did you do have anything else that you want to add to this? I don't know. There were a lot of words already. You did have... Uh, um, you, you ended with a really good analogy, so I don't know if you can top that. No. <laughs> no, I'm not looking to top it. I'll just mm -hmm. say, don't be evil. Yeah. I was going to say, don't be a dick. I was going to say, don't be a dick, and then I chose <laughs> to steal Google's X motto, because I thought it was great. Until oh, became corporate. yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, don't be evil perfect all right so um 
we will uh, we will be heard by you next week uh, on an all new Psyche Saturday and an all new Blackbird episode. Be safe, be aware of your surroundings, and continue to social distance. Yeah, seriously, guys. And get your vaccination when it's time for you to get your vaccination. Yeah, definitely. Be, he- be healthy. Shit is getting real out there, guys. Yep. I, I know that we end a lot of these episodes with warnings about the corona, and you're probably getting tired of hearing it, but clearly the world is not listening. Now, nope. obviously the whole world doesn't listen to our podcast, but they should. But We're in a lot of countries. Like, shit is getting real out there, guys. It's true. It's a whole other strain. There are multiple varieties of strain one. So many. Transmissibility is going up. Lethality is going up. Yep. This shit is no joke. No. No, it's not. People so, need to take this way more seriously. Didn't we finally hit one million um, infected or one million deaths We've had way in the more world? Than one million. We're almost at two million deaths. Oh, we're time, almost the, at two million deaths? The last time I know. looked, which was weeks ago, we were at 1.89 million total deaths. Oh, God. They were anticipating 500,000 deaths in the U.S. by, I think, March. So... It's not slowing down, guys. No, it's speeding up. It's really... Yeah. All right. So, until next time. Bye. everyone i am nick and i'm russ and if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well informed highly educated and safe to share with your whole family that's not us nope it's not but here at the nick and russ don't know anything podcast we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it that we do new episodes every wednesday and saturday check us out at nickandrust.com and find us on apple spotify iHeartRadio, and many more including youtube thank you and i love you all We are Pod Jerky, two Canadian buddies serving up multi-flavored audio jerky in every episode. If you like good times, strong coffee, maple syrup, swamp donkeys, hockey, the outdoors, common sense, dogs, conspiracy theories, sports, and life in general, then subscribe and follow our podcast and check out our social media channel at Pod Jerky. Pod Jerky, make it a double.